0: The following episode may contain explicit language and spoilers. listener discretion is advised. This has got to be one of the it's probably got to have one of the biggest fan bases out there.
1: hundred percent
0: definitely um and it's do you know it's been around. I did some 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 light googling. Oh. it's been It's been over
1: forty years. Yeah, it's it's very well established, isn't it? Very well, I say loved, and very well, sort of not so loved in some areas as well. Like all fandoms are, every fandom has light and dark sides. Yes, see what I did there. Hello, and welcome to what's your fandom? the podcast where myself and my good friend Stuart journey through the fandoms of film, TV, games, books and comics, flying our geek flags and talking our way through the multiverses, all of them. My name is Mike and in this episode we talk about Star Wars. And I am talking about the original three films and the prequels now we deliberately tried to only talk about those six films because we feel like the Disney chapter of Star Wars deserves its own discussion so we really try to focus our thoughts on those first six films we talk about you know how we got into Star Wars where that love for Star Wars came from what we still like about it and Actually, whether we even genuinely do like George Lucas or not. I know. Controversial. Perhaps. You're going to have to listen to find out. So basically, grab yourself a cuppa. Settle in. Get comfortable. I hope there are biscuits in your future. Dunk them in your cuppa. It is what they are for. <laughs> and I hope that you just relax for about an hour with me and Stew And... Yeah, let's just go let's just let's just press play let's just journey right now to a galaxy far far away
0: yeah i think um it was interesting right because i had a look at where star wars kind of started in its like development okay and, like where it sort of ended up before they released the first film and it's crazy to think that obviously it was groundbreaking and i appreciate that but i don't think people realize how many sort of changes that it went through, you know, before it even sort of got off the ground. Okay. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Right, okay. Well, from my understanding, and when I say my understanding, I just Google stuff. Yes. So, originally, it was going to be called Adventures of Starkiller. Ooh. Ooh, That's a very
1: different tone. Very
0: different. And the main protagonist was going to be Luke Starkiller. Ooh. Um, and it was meant to be this idea that, you know, he's the one that will destroy the Death Star. So he's the killer of stars. But then I think they felt it was too aggressive or it is almost aggressive, too, almost too like, um, negative maybe. I don't know. But they've got the, um, the sort of the original, I've got the original opening crawl here.
1: No way. Okay. I love this. Are you going to do it in a Welsh in like, are you going to like Welsh it up? <laughs> or are you going to act it as if some sort of regal, um, very proper, posh actor?
0: Yeah, I think that might be a better okay, way yeah, Okay, yeah,
1: actor. Take it away, Stu. Take it away. Right. I love this.
0: Okay. Until the recent Great Rebellion, the Jedi Bendu were the most feared warriors in the universe. For 100,000 years, generations of Jedi perfected their art as the personal bodyguards of the Emperor they were the chief architects of the invincible Imperial Space Force, which expanded the Empire across the galaxy, from the celestial equator to the farthest reaches of the Great Rift. Now these legendary wars are all but extinct. One by one, they have been hunted down and destroyed as enemies of the new Empire by a ferocious and sinister rival warrior
1: sect, the Knights of Sith. Behaviourne. That's quite epic i quite like the knights of sith Yeah, that's that, that I, I i'd read that book <laughs> yes. um it is it's yeah it's you're right it, it must have come from a very i think it must have started out in its development as quite a darker more adult perhaps kind of deeper dive into sci-fi than mm. perhaps the kind of more family orientated film franchise it became which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No,
0: no, I suppose
1: not. No, I don't,
0: I I don't know, it's strange, because it's weird that it's got the word Sith in it, because like, if you watch the original films, that that was like one of the things, wasn't it? Like, how out of the six, like, George Lucas movies, that the word Sith didn't actually become a thing until the prequels.
1: okay, now you've mentioned it.
0: Yes, you're right. It's kind of weird how it was like, almost like it was already there.
1: And we didn't know it. No, but see, I like this. This happens a lot in, um, you know, from creative perspective, where people have done so much thinking and storyboarding, perhaps even sometimes just in their brain. Um, mm. But like, or filling up notebooks of information about the characters and and potential things to happen in the future. I quite like that. That I imagine that process is really satisfying and having all these like secrets that nobody else knows about. Yeah. But it's interesting that they mentioned the Sith there and then don't till later on. I wonder what that was about. Maybe maybe they just realised they had such a great um, villain in Darth Vader and later on the Emperor. Perhaps that's they thought that's all they needed. Yeah, that's enough. Because that's a lot of that's a lot of backstory then with Knights of the Sith and all that stuff that that's just a throwaway line unless mm-hmm. it was going to be actually investigated in those films. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. I always wondered that. Yeah, I think I could do like the original films, um, but what I can kind of appreciate is that like the like even the actors were saying at the time when it is that like the dialogue wasn't great. Um, especially in the early draft, apparently. Like even I know Alec Guinness was saying like I do not think much of the dialogue of this, but we'll see how it goes. I don't know, that's a really terrible Alec Guinness impression. But the point <laughs> is, he, <laughs> he didn't think much of the dialogue. Um I think it's because he was like a sort of like a theatre actor. Yeah. So but can, also
1: um, from I can't like this is mainstream cinema now. This is what it is now, and I, it was obviously a a massive hit, and it spawned all the toys and and books and everything that came out around that time. You know, the world went mad, absolutely Star Wars mad. But I from a, imagine from an actor's point of view, when you get the scripts full of all those words that don't mean anything, yeah. like they, they they wouldn't have they wouldn't have had any context at all talking about Clone Wars and. And stuff like that and and, you know we're talking from a point of view of so much exists now from from star wars along the franchise it's it's huge yeah i I can imagine just reading this stuff and being like oh you know having to i can't imagine being an actor really at that point and having (laughs) to Credibly give a performance and believe and know what the hell was going on. Although (laughs) the good thing, yeah, exactly. But the good thing about it having been back then was that a lot of it was done practically in terms of effects and things. So they would have actually been able to tangibly be there with aliens and beasts and you know all those things, rather than sitting in a in a in a green cube in a big green warehouse. (laughs) having to pretend that and then everybody else does everything else afterwards. You know what I mean? So yeah. that might have made a a, a more positive acting experience, I'm i guess. so.
0: Yeah. I do know that actually I, I I know I keep reverting back to it to like what what it what they had like before they shot in film, but I this has genuinely fascinated me because apparently yeah, apparently there was a line <laughs> and I've seen this in the auditions, which, by the way, people, you can look it up on YouTube, original Star Wars editions from, like, 1976. Oh, cool. So you see Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and other actors as well who were trying out for these roles. But there was a line of dialogue that uh, Mark Hamill's character had to say, and even he said, like, Lucas, please take it out. It's too, It's too convoluted. It's too... Like, nobody talks like that. Mm-hmm. And... So I, I had to Google it. I was like, what is this line then oh, I i I found it
1: here. Oh, my God, I can't wait. I'm genuinely right. excited.
0: Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not very good at doing impressions of the sort of characters, but I'm going to swing more towards kind of naive Luke Skywalker over like a Welsh accent or whatever. Okay. So the line is this. But we can't turn back. Fear is the greatest defense. I doubt if the actual security there is any greater than it is on Akali or Salas. And what there is is most likely directed towards a large-scale assault.
1: Flippin' heck. That was a <coughs> lot of words with a lot of syllables. Oh, my much. goodness me. I fe- Yeah, you know, and, do you know, that's really interesting, actually, because I find this a lot in... Um, I don't know if I've ever told you, about, like, I have dabbled in writing in the past, right? Okay. And I know that you've written a children's book, haven't you? And I've dabbled in writing, and, and it's something I've always wanted to be an author, and I think one day I'm going to swing back around to that, hopefully. Because, you know, you watch all these things, you get these ideas, and I feel like I'm quite a creative person, so I feel like it's something I could I could put my hand to properly. And I will get there. Anyways, Not this isn't a random tangent, but one of the things that one of the pieces of advice that I remember reading online about dialogue, especially was to read out loud what you've written and see how it sounds and how it feels like in your mouth. <laughs> Be- no, because like you can write all these words in silence thinking that makes complete sense and you're putting it across your point and it's, it's hitting all the buttons. But until you've actually said it out loud from a human point of view you you're not going to know if it flows right and actually that's the true of of any sentence that you write it isn't just the dialogue you could you should read the whole read it all out loud so every sentence can be heard you can hear the rhythm and where you take a breath are there too many words are you using too many silly adjectives when you could just use a really simple one to get your point across Do you know that kind of thing yes. and that's what struck me with that then was that flipenack he he that he he was enjoying the sound of his own pen then when the Yes, totally. Oof. Yeah.
0: I've always considered dialogue to be like one of the harder aspects of writing.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I think script writing fascinates me. I've got a few script books and it fascinates me because the difference between the writer writing the words and the actor performing the words is so huge and yet they are inseparable. Mm. And I really find it interesting to think, like, I wonder if the writers of these scripts of George, I wonder if he sat there with a voice, he obviously had a voice in his head for Luke at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously he is creating this fantastical world, which he alone knows. And nobody else has any idea of what, what he's trying to say or what the point is, what's important that he says now that might come back to hit them later on in the film or in the, in the franchise. Cause he's obviously thinking big, mm-hmm. um, uh, that's so i wonder how he how he did that, like, well, yeah. that that's that, that, that is fair play, that is a talent that is genuinely a talent yes
0: well as you mentioned voices i feel like it's only appropriate that we talk about the voice that he had in mind for some characters um without some of the actors knowledge oh really <laughs> now i'm talking about i mean this is a obvious one for a lot of people, uh, Darth Vader. Of course. Right. So, a lot of people know you had Dave Prowse. Yes. As the embodiment of Vader.
1: Yes. Not the same voice that we hear in the film. I'm assuming he said the words on on the day, though. Yes. Yak did the part, didn't he? He did. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think, from my understanding, I did... uh, I was watching a documentary on it. And they saw the size of David Price because obviously he was Green Cross coat man, uh, bodybuilder, and he trained Christopher Reeve to get into shape as Superman. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, which I think is quite interesting. So, yeah, physicality wise, like yeah, this is the guy they want. So they offered him one of two parts. They said, you can obviously keep in mind as well, like when you hear these names they don't know who these characters are, only George Lucas knows who they are, right? Yeah. So George Lucas said, you can play the part of Either Chewbacca and then Prowse was like, who's that? And then he tried to explain like, oh, he's like with the good guys. um, But he just kind of growls and doesn't really speak. (laughs) Or (laughs) you can have a part of uh, Darth Vader, who is the main baddie of the film. And then Prowse said, has he got dialogue? And Lucas said yes. And then Prowse actually said, (sighs) eating these words now, say no more. I'll have that role. So, mm, makes you wonder, right? Mm. So, in all documentaries of Lucas claims that he never intended on using David Prowse's voice. At really? Point, yes. So even at that point? At that point, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, there is amazing footage of original scenes before the dub of mm. Dave Prowse delivering these lines. And obviously, Dave Prowse is from Somerset. So you get like these, <laughs> you get these scenes of like Darth Vader like crushing like a neb, like a rebel's like neck, and he turns to, like one of the stormtroopers and says, "Commander, like, you tear this ship apart into those plans <laughs> and bring me the passengers,
1: or you want them alive?" Now I would watch that. <laughs> I would like the whole film, please, to be re-dubbed into unusual British accents. <sighs> Brilliant. I think somebody should go, should do that, and yeah. I I would watch that. I think that would, I mean, that would be amazing. Yes, I would love to see that. Which character would you give a Welsh accent to? Oh, uh, are we talking like an over-the-top, proper like from the valleys Welsh accent? That's what I feel like it should be. It should be like a huge, you know, yeah, yeah. I and mean, well, oh,
0: I don't know, because the thing is, I know they did. I mean, it's been taken off YouTube now because that poor guy got. Ripped into for copyright, but they did Taff Walls, didn't they? They did, they did, they did, one, yeah. And I love that um, that's been taken off. But yeah, if I was to give one ac- one character a Welsh accent,
1: it'd
0: um, have to do somebody from the original trilogy. Absolutely, I'd probably go with I probably go with Kenobi.
1: Oh, do I can know, see that. Yeah, no, I can. Yeah. No, fair play, I can see that.
0: I just picture it as like you know, like one of those like Welsh like old men that you always see like down the pub and stuff. Yes, you know, they always like shout Shuri John, like you know, like yeah, one of those.
1: Yeah, yeah. I could just I could picture that, like. Yeah, no, I completely agree because I was like, I was, I went into my head. I was like, right, Jabba the Hutt and I was like, <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't speak English anyway. So how would you do that in a Welsh accent? Then my brain fizzled. Then that's not going to work. What about a droid? It's like R2D2. He just beeps. But what if R2D2's speaking voice was Welsh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That'd be... Oh my God hilarious that is that is fascinating though they never intended to use his voice and yet Mm. that's why he went for the part oh i I wouldn't be okay with that oh yeah but this
0: is the thing apparently prouse david prouse didn't actually find this out now i heard i've heard a lot of different stories but the one that's sort of the most consistent one is that he didn't find out until the final cut so that's not okay yeah i don't know yeah no because he's so he sat there in the premiere of this massive movie with his family you know he's got like one of the opening scenes like you know, he's there straight away so this film's like two hours long and about like i don't know like four minutes in he hears his voice and oh. probably thinks oh <laughs> I
1: don't that's, know. that's really I, that's awful that is awful mm. Do we like George Lucas or is that too broad a question? Because, I mean, I don't want to, you know, those first three films are just so iconic and so embedded in culture. I mean, thinking back to the time when this came out originally, like, there, there weren't really mainstream science fiction adventure films that did were this commercially successful Mm-hmm. I think that Alien came out not long after this whether it was a response to this perhaps you know this kind of like this is the family kind of adventure for everyone to enjoy and then this is kind of like the adult horror <laughs> antithesis but still 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 Alien it, it just it just spawned so much and I I I'm not I don't want to take any of that away because it had such an effect on I think I think everyone really, cinema goers in general. But like I don't know the, the things you hear about George Lucas. Like do we do we like George Lucas?
0: I'm not sure because I've always said that I felt like Lucas as a filmmaker. I felt like he created something amazing in Star Wars, but at the same time, because of the way the prequels were received, I don't know. It's a mess. Isn't it? it's not, I'm not saying it's a mess. It's not a mess. The films, I, I don't consider the films a mess. I just mean that like, he was onto something with what he created. I, maybe, did they set the bar too high, maybe? Mm-hmm. And then when it came time to the prequels, because he directed like, he only directed A New Hope. right? That's right, yeah. Oh, you had Irving Kushner did Empire. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan was in there somewhere. I don't know. But anyway, prequels was all George. I know a lot of people had issue with the way how Anakin was portrayed and the dialogue in some parts.
1: So that was all like Lucas. But well, you then... say it was all Lucas, but then there's such a <clears throat> a presence felt from the studio, mm. from from, and, and 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 I don't think we can underestimate that no. because they would have so much influence in so many things. In every aspect, really. So I want, I, I do, you know, it's his name attached to it, a hundred percent. And so we do have to kind of, we do kind of paint him as the kind of lord and master of the of the prequels. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't dislike the prequels. No, I, I I think that, I think that generally with with George Lucas, I think he's always been a bit ahead of his time, and I think that he he what he encapsulated in that first Star Wars film was it was quite magical really because it got so much right Mm. and of course he had this like as as indicated from that thing you read out earlier he obviously had so much more story and backstory and character arcs in his head and uh, that that of course he wanted to make more and the studio wanted to make more and and then from that first film the the second and third film, it was there was kind of a natural story to tell those three those three films as one big kind of story. But the problem then is the studios see the money and they realize what happened with all the merchandise and things and the licenses and all that stuff they made would have obviously had a massive influence then in wanting more. Yes. So of course I think so before we got the Phantom Menace though, we got um the re-releases, didn't we, of the original Star Wars films with new effects? Yes. And that was, well, unheard of, first of all. That, that had never been done before. No one had gone back and looked at a film that was already complete and decided to change and add things to yes. make, it, make it more modern. Because technology caught up, mm. you know? And I think that with those first... With the prequel films, then, I feel... Like he was he pushed himself hard to innovate again, yes and and hence all the use of c g i, which has probably been discussed a lot mm. online and how you know it was it was all a bit too green screen, but then, having said that right now, everything is being made like that, yeah, you know I mean the technology is continually evolving, I'm thinking about things like the Batman and and that was done um, with all those screens, wasn't it, around the set so it looked so they could see what they were looking at, but they weren't actually there. Yes, that's right. Um so that's that's kind of a really weird amalgamation of the two. Mm. But I mean he was he's constantly been set in the bar. And I think that the way, you know, if if only really, if the if only TV and film had the technology back then when Star Wars was still the original idea that perhaps those prequels would have existed in a different way. perhaps like a Netflix six part special or something, or yeah. you know Disney plus doing a a, a a limited series, a three you know do you know what I mean a three part hour long thing or something telling the story of Anakin. Yes. And I think that, that that is where I think, oh, you know what the story isn't bad, but it's all the fluff that they added into the story. To build it up to be a second trilogy because yeah. the studios knew that worked the first time. Yes. Really, yeah. what would have been braver for George to do would have been to do, to be like, no, we're going to tell it on telly and we're going to do it just direct to TV, little series of films, but it was a TV show, but they're going to be like little mini films and it's all going to build into one great big story about Anakin. Wow, can you imagine that no, um, like put yeah, exactly. And putting his money into the same technology, but being like, No, you can release it in the cinema if you want, mm. but they're only gonna be forty five minutes to an hour long each. Yeah. Imagine having the kind of the 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 clout to do that. God, yeah. That's a risk, isn't it, right there? Huge risk. Yeah. Huge risk. I mean less so now. T V is where all the all the like really good stories are happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? I think um, I think <laughs> the thing is with Star Wars is that, like, especially with the prequels, as you said, there about there was a story to tell, isn't it? Which really was the the sort of rise and fall of Anakin. Yeah. Um, but what kind of perplexes me is that, like, with the prequels, like, Episode One especially, I know you had you had Jake Lloyd as Anakin, so you cast an Anakin there as like he was about nine or ten years old. I think what I don't like about that film in particular, the pod race scene. And the reason I don't like the pod race scene is because you kind of need it. I feel like, obviously, the whole point of the pod race scene is that that's what wins his freedom, isn't it? Which allows yes. him to leave Tatooine and go to Corazon and become a Jedi. But I hate the fact that, you know, when I'm watching the film, it's kind of like... Oh, I can't even skip this part, like because this is kind of (laughs) crucial to his backstory. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's a weird sort of choice um, to have that, but yeah, it's also
1: strange as well because I think the. I mean, I don't want to digress and moan too much about the prequels, but it is an interesting thing that a lot of the cast from that first film were only in the first film. And that, uh, whereas the, the, the original trilogy had that consistency of those main characters and then adding to those characters and bringing new people in. That, that it just built it, made it bigger and bigger. Whereas yeah. this, you had you to start again and then you went to start yeah. again. And, 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 and that that was sort of a, okay, you know, like what they did with Rogue One was was brilliant because that was a, its own set of characters at its own time. It was a one-off and that was that. And I think that Phantom Menace could work like that if we'd had it just as a one-off. Do you want to see this? Mm. And then just done a a duology of Anakin's story. Yeah, that'd Mm. be interesting. That 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 perhaps I think I think it would have been really lovely if George was as had more had more power and control over the studios at that point. Because no doubt he was given a lot of money. to to make those films and he wanted to tell the story this is his story and ultimately you know i imagine like with licensing and stuff they probably would have told the story without him yeah totally Yeah. yeah
0: i do wonder then if you think about episode one is there anything that like i mean out of the prequel trilogies i consider episode one to be like the weakest but i just wondered is there anything
1: for episode one that really stands out for you that you like really enjoyed do you the know fans. what? I'm going to put this out there, okay? I think episode one gets a a worse rep than it deserves, and I and a lot of my friends at the time. Because bearing in mind, I went to see episode one in the cinema when it was released because I'm I'm that age. <laughs> um, I went to see the actually, I think I went to see the remastered 70s films in the 90s as well because I was around when I was going to the cinema. So I got to see them on the big screen with those new effects for the first time. And I remember that being a really, really great experience. Um, but the first, a lot of my friends thought like the Phantom Menace was kind of like the shit one. <laughs> and then the story started again in Attack of the Clones. And that's what everyone wanted to see. You know, it was a fine film. Phantom Menace is OK, but it's not a Star Wars film. And they all thought Attack of the Clones then was a Star Wars film rather than just being a, a film in its own on its own. And mm. I have a bit of a contrary opinion to that because I thought The Phantom Menace was actually all right. I mean, yeah, okay, as a kid, again, this, these these franchises have to bring in a new generation. That's the whole point of the the Phantoms continuing is that you have to restart it for a new audience to come in and enjoy. And I think The Phantom Menace, imagine being a kid and watching this little kid in a pod race like that would have been awesome. I mean, it, I just missed that. I wasn't quite that age, but... Um, I I don't mind it, and the Phantom I quite like. I think that Liam Neeson gives a really good performance, and I think that Darth Maul is a really really cool villain. Mm. I, I I do, and I thought it was it was nice to see this little boy who was like, oh, has he got powers? And you know, bearing in mind at that point, think about prequels. Like that word, did they invent it? Yeah, because. That, that sequels were always a thing. Make a new one, it happens afterwards. But prequels, did they really exist before Star Wars, did it?
0: Mm-mm.
1: I don't know. Off the top That's of my head, I can't one. think of, you know, certainly not a mainstream thing like that where they've gone back and told something. You had flashbacks in, in, in something that was happening currently, but you didn't necessarily build a film around what happened before those films. No. So, you know, credit where credit's due to The Phantom Menace for doing that. And actually, it did reignite interest in the, in the whole fandom again. Yes. And generate all that excitement. And So I think The Phantom Menace does have its place. Yeah. I, I think it's quite a good Sunday afternoon film. You know? I think <laughs> it's like Sunday afternoon Star Wars. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's a little bit lighter. It's got some great fights. It does have a big death at the end, which was quite shocking. So yeah. I think we all thought that, you know, Liam Neeson was going to be the new, you know, take us through the three films, you know, mm. bringing Obi-Wan up. But, so that was quite, that was quite shocking and quite surprising. Yeah. It was just all the politics. Yes. It was just all the politics. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, the, the original films, I don't think, did they, they don't have much in the way of politics. It's a war. They're at war. Yeah, it's more exposition, isn't it? As they're just sort of talking
0: about stuff, and like they mention like the Senate once or twice. Um, but yeah, but, I think.
1: But I think the war is what we're here to see, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah, I think this is the issue. I think I had with episode one as because I watched it like that film came out in, like ninety nine, right? So I would have been like ten years old. Oh, okay. So watching that film in the cinema, yes, it was good. It was awesome to see lightsabers. Maul was great. Even as a kid, though, I was still of a thing about the Pod racing. I think it's maybe it's because it kind of derives from this kind of sport kind of aspect, sort of like Formula One or something. So that didn't really hold my interest. okay. But yeah, the politics scene—you know, when they had like the meetings and like the Senate and stuff like that—I do remember thinking like, "Oh, how long is this going to go on for?" Because I wasn't interested in that as a child.
1: I don't you know, think it adds to the experience, really, of the film. Yeah. Whereas the Padres, like, they've got a kid as the protagonist. How are they going to get this kid into a space battle? Hmm. And if the goal is to get the kid into the space battle at the end of the film, how are you going to, you know, put the groundwork in place so that he's going to be able to fly a ship and survive? Yeah. You know? and you know, Perhaps that was what the mistake with, with that film. Perhaps they shouldn't have tried to put them in in the the fight at the end to save the day perhaps that was the bit that was a bit too do you think he was too young perhaps he's too young perhaps he's too young but if the goal of this film was to reignite a say a bunch of sales on computer games and toys Mm -hmm. and kids going out there wanting to be in a pod race then it did that because i remember having the game and the Padre, there was like a Padre scene in the in, Padre's level in the game. I can't even remember what console it was on. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge gamer. But back in the day, I had it. And so, if that was one of their goals and they did that. Yes. So, this is where I question sort of, you know, where the studio were pulling the strings and where George was pulling the strings.
0: Yeah. I know he was quite keen, wasn't he, for like merchandise and stuff like that? Because I do know that. One of the issues they had with the original films was when they uh, froze Han in Carbonite and Empire. Harrison Ford was asking the guy, "Can you like, kill my character?" And Lucas told him no. And when when Harrison Ford asked why, Lucas's response was, "Dead characters don't sell toys."
1: Oof. So I mean see but uh, and and he's right but all these things when you hear them in real life I just think oh I don't know if I like you <laughs> <laughs> but but then again he's a businessman yes and this yes. is a business it and we are coming at this from a point I mean me okay I'm coming at this point from a point of story mm. and I think that that's where that's where we differ Possibly. George and I <laughs> George <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes. But, the, you know, the first, those first three films, though, I mean, are, are, they, are they important to you?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, like if they are, like on TV and stuff, I can't help but watch them. I would never turn the TV over. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely, like, you know, I'd sit there and watch them. And I've always been interested in if it was a way, I know does sound really strange when I word this, if it was a way to watch it more. <laughs> in that like obviously I know they've had like loads of remasters and stuff like that so I've watched all those I've watched the Blu-ray but recently what I got to watch um, somebody had lent me basically a version of the films where it was sort of a demastered edition Okay. so what they had done is somebody had found all like original archived footage and deleted scenes and they'd put them into a cut of the film in a way that makes sense. Now, when you watch the original trilogy, episode four's got the most recuts. So when you're watching the film, there are moments where it sort of cuts to like this sort of black and white or like sort of sepia tone kind of screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like these scenes play out. And I always remember one scene, they put it in the remaster, but they changed it a little bit. But in the original scene, when Han is at the cantina, he goes out to his docking docking bay 94 uh, And Jabba the Hutt is waiting there to talk to him. Now, yeah. in the remastered version, it's Jabba the fat slug. And Boba Fett is next to him. They've CGI'd Boba Fett into it. Okay. Boba didn't come into it until Empire. Right? But they have put him into this remaster on Blu-ray. But in the demastered version, when Han goes out, Jabba is not... CGI fat slug or practical effect fat slug. He is just He's a man,
1: isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: From what I remember, he's in like a furry waistcoat. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's this scene playing out between them. And towards the end of the I just remember like Hans a closing line. He walks off and he turns back and he says, Jabba, you're a wonderful human being. So that made sense at the time because he's talking to what looks like a human, but when they remastered it on blu ray, he's saying that to a fat c g i slug
1: oh my gosh, I never realized that that line,
0: yeah, but people say it makes more sense because it's Han, he's quite sarcastic, and
1: he is yeah, you can get away with it, I get, <laughs> get away it away yeah,
0: yeah, um, but it was interesting to see like I say these original ideas and like. There's random scenes in a new hope where it just cuts to like these like random droids. Or you know, like people just doing stuff that's just it's just there. It doesn't add anything, it's just there. Like Yeah. So it's fascinating watching that version of Star Wars. It's it's like almost like very original about as original as you can get before like theatrical release and stuff. Um I do wish yeah. there
1: was a way, to be honest, of being able to reinsert the deleted scenes into the film where they've been deleted from if they already exist, there should be an option yes. when you're watching these things, especially on Blu-ray or DVD if you're the trouble of buying it. Yes. Because then you'd get kind of like a your own kind of extended version of events. Mm. And the pace yeah. would be really different and really unusual. But if you just want to, like you say, absorb more, that would be cool. Yes.
0: It always frustrates me with uh, Return of the Jedi. They had that amazing deleted scene on the Blu-ray when it first came out. And I wish they'd slaughtered into the film, and it basically shows the opening scene where Vader is talking to his Imperial officers. He goes back into his chamber, and then he's communicating with Luke through the Force. And it shows now, obviously, at the start of Return of the Jedi, you're in Jabba's palace. You know, um, yeah, the droids have gone in first, and Luke yeah. comes in after. So it basically, shows before that plan is instigated, Luke is sort of basically like fixing his green lightsaber. Okay. This is really cool scene where he's he's got Vader's voice like in his head, sort of tormenting him because don't forget, you know, in the last film he just found out he was his dad. So I yeah. think the implication is that he's had Vader's voice inside his head for all this time and he's trying to come to terms with it. So yeah, this scene, and a lot of people I'm sure you've seen it, is where like yeah, he's making his green lightsaber and you see him screwing something into the hilt and he ignites it, and you see like the green blade there for the first time
1: i don't and think then, i've seen that what i don't think i have i'm gonna to have to oh, go back and find that
0: you have to yeah it's a deleted scene it's not when you watch it on blu-ray it's not in the, the final yeah yeah cut yeah, of the film. yeah. might be on i'm sure it's on youtube of course it is so. um but yeah so this scene takes place like before because he puts the lightsaber into r2 then and then obviously uh... before he goes off the diving board above the sarlacc that's when he retrieves the lightsaber yeah
1: um
0: but yeah, like scenes like that. It's like oh, I wish that was in, in the final cut of the film, so you could see. It. Um, it might not. It might be a little bit like disjointed. It might not quite, in terms of sort of scene transitions, it might not fit. But it'd be cool to see it in the film. But
1: it's quite good characterization of Luke yeah. at that point because you do kind of wonder how he's been dealing with the fact that his father is alive and is evil. Mm. But then there's the bit where he senses good in him as we get, as we move, move along. But you do, because so, obviously time does elapse between each film. Yes. But it would be, I think you're right, because a lot of the other characters, you know, he's our hero. He's the one we're watching, really. And the other ones around him are already so so full of character. Do you know what I mean? A lot, a lot of the times, I think in a lot of films, the hero can sometimes be a bit bland because they're yeah. the hero and everybody else around them is the interesting ones. Yeah. That jump off the screen of the page. And I think, so I think actually more about Luke in that respect would have been really good. Mm. Yeah, I think so. But I do have to say that when I do watch Return of the Jedi, it, it it you know, it is almost Sunday afternoon uh, Star Wars as well for me a little bit. It's mm. got a comfort. I think I must be drawing on that from my childhood of watching it and, and getting the DVDs for the first time and then getting the you know, the the both versions, and then this new version, and then and watching the the special effects and getting my own DVD player in my room and being able to watch it myself whenever I wanted to. So there's probably a nostalgia built in yeah. for it for me as as I'm sure there is for a lot of people but there is something like um, there's something quite warming about that Return of the, the Return of the Jedi film plus it's the conclusion isn't it and obviously we beat the bad guys yes. spoiler spoiler yeah. from a long long time ago but of the three the original films do you have a favourite? Um, well strangely Return of the Jedi was my favourite
0: um, for like a really long time and I think, I, I always heard people saying, like, oh, Empire's the best. And I I do agree with them to an extent. But I think, I don't know what it was. Return of the Jedi was just always one I sort of went back to. I think it's because, like, Return of the Jedi, although the film goes really quick when you watch it. Yeah. The runtime, I don't know if it's, like, less. I don't know. It just feels like it goes faster. Maybe it's a better pacing. Maybe. But I, I think, because you got the Emperor in it, and you know, it's it's really the first time you see the Emperor in his full glory. Um And, like, Ian McDermott, like, is just amazing as the Emperor, really theatrical. Mm. Uh, I also like the idea of Luke. The way, like, Luke looks in that film as well, with, like, his, you know, he's got that black suit, you got the green lightsaber. You yeah. look at, like, his arc for episode 4. He becomes, he goes from this sort of very naive farm boy um, right up to, like, pretty much Jedi Master. And so I... I think I enjoy watching that film because you you look at Luke and you're like, oh my God, look where this kid started, and look where he is now. You know, this is the guy yeah. that he went from, you know, finding Obi Wan by himself. You know, he ends up blowing up a space station by the end of Episode Four. You know, he's quite new to this whole like Rebel thing. Um, you had his arc in Episode Five. He just finds out that his father's like this crazy dark Sith Lord. And then episode six, he, you know, he's, he, he walks out of a room which had the Emperor and Darth Vader in it. And he's the only one that walks out alive. Yeah. And I just think, man, what a crazy arc. But, he's...
1: but it's also a struggle for him. Mm. None of it is easy. No. And, and he gets put through his paces quite a lot over the yes. course of those films. And he's actually by himself quite a lot. Yes, it's, it's a journey he has to go on by himself. Yeah. and and you're right. I think they they do seem quite from where he starts, the beginning to where he ends. it's quite a, a, a change in him and and I think that you know not not to move too far ahead into the future, but obviously when we see him again in the Mandalorian, Mm. Um, in that proper, proper iconic scene. Yes, it really felt like, oh, this is the first time we're seeing him now, out of the original trilogy,
0: Mm.
1: and that's epic. Yes, and part of me does wish that the sequels had been this story. Yes. You know, again, ten years later or whatever. Like they always, there was a little bit of a leap, mm. but still with Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie. But 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 it can't repeat what's no. already happened. So I understand why they didn't do it because it. How do you make it so different? You know, there needed to be a bigger time gap, I guess, which is where the new films come into, which we'll talk to about at a different time. But yeah. um, when we when Luke came back for that scene and it was there. I really did think, oh shit, this is what I've been wanting to see. Yeah. This is what I've wanted to see. Now he is a Jedi master and he has defeated those villains but there is still a universe in turmoil. I think that's a really interesting starting point for other stories.
0: I know they said uh, because they had Dave Filoni because he was obviously the guy who did uh, The Mandalorian, him and John. Well, Dave Filoni did like rebels and Clomos and stuff. But obviously, him and John Favreau were working on Mandalorian and stuff. And I can't remember exactly, but I do know that there is there's a good interview on YouTube where Dave Filoni was talking about people's response to seeing Luke in right. The Mandalorian. Right. And he says when you're watching it, and this is I I, mean, I don't know about you, but this is how I felt as well, is that you don't really see who it is for a very long no, time you in don't. that scene. No. And he said that, like, when you're watching it, you're hoping, like, oh, please be Luke, please be Luke. And then, because when you first see him with a lightsaber, it's on a conveniently
1: it's like a black, black, black and white. white screen. Yeah, it's yeah. so cleverly done, it's unreal. Yeah. And I remember thinking, they haven't, they they can't have. Is he, yeah. wearing, is he wearing one glove? It's not, they haven't gone there. Have they actually gone there? Are you serious? I think I was like that, speaking out loud, loud yes. to Jay, whilst it was on, being like, they haven't, they, they can't have. Oh my God, they fucking have. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, this is incredible. And that this is... that was the point for me where I thought Star Wars still has got it. Yes. Whatever yeah. it is, they've still got it, and this is the proof.
0: Yes. I know Dave Filoni was saying that when you're watching that scene play out, that when you finally see that it is Luke, it's like almost like you sort of get rewarded for watching the scene. Hoping it's him and voila, it is him. Yeah. And yeah, I think as well what's good about that scene as well is like when you watch that episode, those uh, Death Troopers when they come out, like it takes Mando like ages just to kill like one. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And then you see Luke and it makes you realise how powerful Luke is.
1: Oh, hundred percent. It reaffirms as well what a Jedi Master is for yeah. this audience. Because this this is a strange ask for that show. Because it's Disney plus so it's incredibly current for kids and stuff, but they have to have a knowledge of what's happened in the other films before. But then again, if you're anything like my nephew and you and me, you watch everything to do with everything and absorb it all and learn everything you can. So perhaps I'm, perhaps, yeah, but it's just a, it's a really interesting, you're right, it is a, it's a reward. Mm-hmm. And those, those death troop- troopers, I loved them. Yeah. I don't know whether that's a popular opinion but I thought Jesus Christ these are formidable these aren't just men in armor who have one shot and are gone <laughs> yeah know, there's lots of end. them but do you know do you know what I mean but the, yeah. this is this is a proper like oh they've stepped this up as well this is going to be difficult to to get past and then showing the power of one single jedi in the in the the time that this is set mm. just makes you think you know how powerful they were in their heyday but the the weird thing is then when you go back to the prequels when you're meant to be seeing them in their heyday yeah. you don't get that same information or those same feelings no no and i think they i say they
0: justified it they do kind they did kind of have a bit of an answer for that didn't they and i think this kind of shows like the flaw of the jedi with like their arrogance and stuff i think they just weren't prepared for the sith because they genuinely thought like are we beating them it's fine, and I've I was reading up about the lightsaber. Um, there's like something like six or seven different fighting styles of lightsaber. Okay. The law, and one of them is like a, your basic one. There's one that specifically teaches you how to deflect blaster fire, but there's there's a form. It's called form two, and it's called Makashi, um, and that is. A form that teaches you how to fight somebody who also has a lightsaber. Okay. But because they're Jedi, they're like, well, the only other people that had lightsabers were Sith, and we've just beaten them. So we're not going to use Form 2 to teach our Padawans, because we won't need to use it. There's that arrogance. I don't know if that's 100%. Accurate, or if I've—I don't know—if I've maybe misinterpreted some of it, but that's my understanding of it. Is that they didn't bother with Makashi because they were like, "Yeah, well, we got lightsabers. We won't be fighting anybody with lightsabers, so it's fine."
1: I suppose no one, as well, can be prepared for the betrayal that that Anakin did. Yeah, you know that that that. I mean, I you know I'm standing by as well. The Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorites of the trilogy. Yes. Uh, It's what we all wanted to see all that time and waiting all those films to get to it. It's what we all wanted. And um, it was probably singularly one of the best cinema experiences I have ever been to because Mm. I went to the midnight showing um, the night it came out in Swansea and there were loads of people dressed up and they had lightsabers and it was a a really big deal. We were all queuing, you know, through the, um, you know, where the Odeon is now. But it used to be the UCI and yes. it was it was being shown on every screen at midnight, and um, you just went in and you had your seat, and that that silence where you know before the theme music came on was so like thick, it was unreal. Yeah. You could feel the general excitement because at that point as well, this is going to be the last ever Star Wars film. Yes, and that it just felt it felt huge, and the bit then where they um, you're going to have to do the voice for me for executing orders sixty six. Ah. Execute order sixty six. Yeah, when that happened in the film, and it really turns, doesn't it? And it becomes really tragic and and and, and awful. You mm-hmm. could feel it in the room. Jeez, it was just so palpable. It was insane, and it was genuinely, you know, getting out dead on three o'clock in the morning, completely buzzing, being like, "Wow, that was incredible." And that's the power that Star Wars has over people and its audience. Yeah. When it gets it right, it really, really gets it right. Yes. I
0: think now that, like, obviously, the way that you and I talk about Star Wars and stuff like that, we're probably amongst, God knows, millions of people who feel the same way. But you also get, like, um, very, very casual fans, right? Mm. Who kind of know about Star Wars and, you know, like, oh, is that the one with uh, Luke and all that? So, but I, there's somebody that, you and i both work with uh, i'm not going to name drop them but they i would say they're more sort of casual star wars fans okay and the uh, other than like the disney stuff they've seen the original films but out of the out of the out of the six movies the one they haven't seen is is revenge of the sith wow and i'm like that's like i would argue that would i would say that's the most important star wars movie the whole point of that prequel trilogy <laughs> It's the whole point. It shows you everything. The fall of the Jedi, the rise of Darth Vader, how the Empire comes to be. It's got everything in that one episode. And this person we work with just kind of goes, Oh, I haven't seen that one. I'm wow. sorry, to... <laughs> go watch it. Wow,
1: <laughs> that's, that's unfathomable, isn't it? That the story wouldn't take you there, you, you, you know. But then, see, I find Attack of the Clones is a bit messy. It is. And you know wanting to watch on after that mm. i feel like you're almost doing it out of loyalty to the fandom yeah you want you because it's the last one you, you have to watch it it's the last one and yes. uh, and and that's and perhaps so you know from a story perspective knowing what's in that film it's amazing Mm. It and it's it's it still was it's it's still it's still very high up for me. In it's it's a, it's a good film, even with the politics. Yes, you know it is a good film, but it's it and it leads on. Oh yeah, no Star Wars. I, Star Wars is one of those things I think where once you're in and you get it, mm. it's hard to walk away from, and it's hard and it's hard to ignore the impact it's had. Yeah, on everything. Yes.
0: I think um George you, know you like when you think about trying to like introduce people to Star Wars, I uh, I tried to get my <laughs> I tried to get my wife into Star Wars. Okay. Um, now looking back, oh if I could time travel, right, I would do this over. Because this is one of those things that once I'd sort of done this I'd made this decision, I couldn't undo it. It was like the opportunity was lost forever. Okay. Be- because I was trying to say, like, what, what what order do I show her these films in? Do we do original trilogy and then prequels? You know, is she going to be watching Episode Four? Like, who's his dad? Like, I, I didn't know. So I thought, I don't know why I thought this, and I really regret this now. I went, no, let's start with the prequels. Let's go in chronological order, Episode right. One to Six. Okay. And I think she got as far as what, Episode Two, and she just went, "No, nah, I don't think it's my thing." No. And I was no. like really? And then when she said this line, I know a lot of people have a lot of hate towards this. I personally don't have this much hate, but it was enough for me to eye roll, and I realized I've made a mistake. It's when she went, I mean, Jar Jar was cool, but, um, and I was like, I've messed up. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I've made a mistake. This,
1: isn't it interesting, though? No, that's a really, I feel like that's almost a different, a whole different episode of the podcast we can talk about, because I would like to get into this into more detail, but the the idea of the prequel Mm-hmm. I think we we should totally like find some other prequels and kind of dissect what makes prequels work and what doesn't. Yes. And you're you're right there because I feel like even going as far as watching the Marvel films in chronological order, in, as in in timeline order, not mm-hmm. in release order, that would be interesting to watch once you've watched them and you are a fan. But I think the whole point is what the audience learns on the way. And I think that we're only ever really watching the prequels of Star Wars because we want to know how Anakin became Darth Vader, knowing what Darth Vader has already done. Yes. And I think so I think you're right. I think that was a rookie mistake. Yeah. Which is what I, I can't an, und- you can't take back. It's un, it's no. done, it's done. But A New Hope though. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish on this on this thought and you can you can give me your opinion too. But I do still think that a new hope is actually probably my favorite, yeah, yeah, I think it is because I think it's the start of mm-hmm. everything, and it's it has an innocence, it has a uh, a darkness, it yeah. establishes the rules of the world and the the law, and it has it has some great performances. Um, speaking as somebody who's watched the kind of the ones that were re-released in the nineties, kind of probably more than I've watched the ones from the seventies. Mm. You know, the special effects, you know, they're, they're actually they're quite good. Yeah. They still stand up today, and I don't know what Disney Plus has done to them, but they look absolutely fantastic uh, yeah. on HD or four K, whatever it is on Disney Plus. I don't know what it is, but it's, they've done this amazing job of upscaling that, that stuff. Mm. Um, and I th- yeah, I think that. Um, that's that's where it all began.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's sort of like, it's almost like the classic kind yeah. of, uh, start, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I think for me, it's got the least amount of action in, so it's a lot it does. of groundwork. It being does. Made in there. Uh, mm. But it's still, like I say, with those films, if they're on TV, I won't turn them over.
1: No, it would be wrong. Yes, Jedi forbid
0: yes forebode forbid (laughs) yes
1: forebode forbid yes Yes.
0: (laughs) well the only um, thing that I want to sort of finally ask is just because there might be some people that aren't aware of this because I wasn't aware of this until last year yeah there's a, a thing in the online community where there's an order in which you can watch the films that differs from what you could do so instead of watching you know uh, one through six, or four, five, six, one, two, three. There's this order that's been dubbed the machete order. Okay, what is this? Um, so, this is th- the way that you watch the films, and there's like a thinking behind it. So, you watch episodes four and five, you don't watch episode one at all. Episode one doesn't exist in this machete order, right? right. So, it's four, five, you watch episodes two and three as a flashback, and then right. you continue with six. So the thinking is is that once you get the revealing empire spoilers that Vader is Luke's dad, then you sort of go, Oh, how did he become Vader? You watch two and three and see how that plays out. And then when you go back into six, oh. you go into it going, All right, so now I get why Vader's like the way he is. I am no, totally never... up for trying that. Same. I've never attempted I think I got as far as in four and five, and then the thought of going to attack at the clones, I was like, oh I dunno. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I wonder That'd if there's you know what would be cool? This is this is this is cool. If somebody would cut the key points from a clones and a Sith mm. and Cut it into Return of the Jedi, yeah. <laughs> so we get the flashbacks within that story. Yes, it would be incredibly long, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> yes. I think as a as a as a fan, mm. it would be really interesting to see to see him fall and rise. Yes, I wonder. I would mm. like to try that. I'm going to write. I'm going to do that order. I'm going to try that next time I watch them. Yes, I'm going to try that. That's a really really interesting way. Of seeing the story, yeah. and you know what? It's what most like TV shows do now. If there's a big villain or something, they get towards the end of the season, they show you how they became the villain, then then you defeat them. Yes. That's that's kind kind of how it works. So I'm very intrigued by that. Mm. Yeah, I'll have to give that a shot myself. I think. Mm, yeah. Closing Star Wars statements, do
0: right. Well, well, obviously I love the films. Like I say, there are things. That I love about Star Wars, there are things that I don't like about Star Wars, but I think overall, as a as a fandom, as a as a medium, if you like, I, I can, yeah, I do love,
1: I I love Star Wars. Imagine someone that's into this has not seen Star Wars. All uh-huh. right, let's talk about the uh, kind of specifically maybe four, five, and six. Okay, three reasons why they should go and watch them now. Right, Episode
0: Four has. Uh, A sort of a classic interpretation of the Hero's Journey storyline so I think you should watch it for Hero's Journey Darth Vader in particular Darth Vader has some of the best bad guy lines in cinema and Return of the Jedi has amazing theatrical performance from Ian McDermott as the Emperor
1: cool good reasons good reasons you know, I think Han Solo is one of the one of the great one of the great characters that um that has a slightly different arc to Luke but is just as interesting to watch. Yes. I think that's great. I think that the I think I think the comedy droids I love a comedy droid. <laughs> and I didn't know I loved a comedy droid before Star Wars. Yes. So that's that's two reasons. And number three, I just think that a lot of cinema owes a lot to those first three films. Mm. And many have tried to copy the format and many have failed and Star Wars still endures. Yes. And you, and I think that you should watch them to, to see that and understand. Are we going to end on a movie quote? I think we always end on a movie quote. We must. So please, uh, what uh, what what delight have you got for me today?
0: Right. Well, the delivery is still the same. Dead Pan Wells. Yeah, fantastic. Right. So... Here's the quote. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself.
1: Ooh. Stuart, that was good, but you may have stumped me. I normally understand what it is. Laugh. I'm right there with you. But right now, I'm drawing a blank. Wow. It could be I just need coffee. Could be that. May the force be with you, still. May the force be with you. Thank you for listening to What's Your Fandom. Please hit the subscribe button to make sure that you never miss an episode. And if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, not only will we be your bestest friends forever, but it will also help other listeners to find us. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram, where our username is at fandompod. And on YouTube, just search for What's Your Fandom. And we will catch you next time.